Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on The Roundtable, we continue the discussion about new power and its implications for the church. This time around, we unpack the difference between what makes an idea stick and what makes an idea spread. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us at The Roundtable. This is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me is Terry in Austin, Texas. How's it going, Terry? It's going pretty well. Good, man. And then also with us is Brenna, and today you're in Seattle, Washington. How's it going, Brenna? It's going fantastic. I get to come and meet my brand new niece. Very nice. That is why you're in Seattle, meeting your brand new niece. And then also with us today is Brenna's other half, Joel. They're sitting around the same mic. It's all kind of cute, all kind of snuggled up next to each other. How you doing, Joel? Good, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's good to have you guys. So here's my question to start this off. We're, we're into part three of discussing the roundtable, and I want to start it this way. How many of you guys actually took part in the ice bucket challenge, just out of curiosity? Yep, sure did. <laughs> just, just yep? That's it? That's just yep? I watched Brenna do it. Joel, well, Joel <laughs> participated in a very, very specific way um, in that he was so kind to prepare my ice bucket for me. And so uh, m- my brother-in-law, Nathan, who were at his house right now, he had called me out on the ice bucket challenge. And I said, oh, thank you, Nathan. And so I was like, well, I got to, you know, Nathan called me out. I got to do this. Let's go. So Joel's like, oh, I'll, I'll make the ice bucket for you. And he set it up and he got, so the girls were in on it, our, our young daughters. And so they knew about it. And so he made the video and they were pouring the water over me. And he said, oh, wait, wait, girls, before you pour it, just so you know, Brenna, I added salt to the water to drop the temperature even lower. Uh, and so he recorded my reaction and then the girl stumped it on me. Uh, so he did participate in, in nefarious ways. Nice. And did your girls learn any new words after you did it? It was more a lot of high pitched sounds. <laughs> there wasn't, it was so cold, there wasn't room for words. <laughs> Very nice. So here's, so we did it. Uh, my girls did it. Like I think my, my girls, because they were young and so they did it. And then somebody actually challenged me on it. And the ice bucket challenge died with me that day. I was like, nope, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Yeah, whatever. What about you, Ishii? No one, no one actually challenged me. And so, yeah, which was, <laughs> was fantastic. Amy got challenged. And I helped Amy. I, I didn't put salt in the water, but yeah, I helped her get set up and, and filmed it. But yeah, I never got nominated, which was kind of awesome, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I would have I would have thought that with your six, you would have felt left out. Like, you guys, why is nobody calling me out? Yeah, you would think that, right? But actually, I, I was kind of okay not participating because, you know, who wants to get ice water dumped over the top of, uh, over the top of your head? Which I think that's kind of the point, right? It's a little bit of sacrifice. And then I, there was a little bit, of, you know, you want to talk about the six. Here's how the, the, the six aspect of me responded to the whole thing is I was super suspect. I was like, this is this is like some sh- some shady business going on. Like, what good is this actually doing? So I had a ton of questions about the whole movement, but then come to find out it actually raised a ton of money. So all in all, it was a great little thing that happened, but uh, I was I was definitely a sus on it the, the whole way through. So, yeah. 
Well, on this episode of the Roundtable, one of the things we want to do, again, we're, we're unpacking this book, New Power, and what it means for the church, what it means for leadership, what it means for culture. And the beginning of chapter three, they kind of talk about the Ice Bucket Challenge and how it was kind of one of those ideas that started, and it did. It just spread all over the place. And one of the things they talk about in the book is the difference between ideas that are sticky versus ideas that are spreadable and what that means and what that means for culture. And I actually think it has some really big implications for the yeah. church. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. If you if you think back to uh, when the ice, back, uh, the ice bucket challenge was kind of happening, uh, there were a ton of copycats, right? And, and like, it, 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 hear this the right way. It's like every disease had its own little challenge that they were kind of trying to throw out there, trying to raise money because... Everyone saw how ALS, all all the money that was raising for its foundation, people were like, oh my gosh, like, could we translate this to cancer research or uh, Parkinson's research and all of these different things? And so you had all these other kinds of ideas. And I mean, you could probably go on YouTube and, and find a bunch of like rejected ideas, you know, that, that didn't quite, they didn't even quite stick, right? There was a catch-up challenge. I remember years ago, do you guys remember the cinnamon challenge, right? Can you, can you take a spoonful of, of cinnamon and not like cough? And, and so you have these ideas that, and, and for the most part, they're just, if you, if you get really, really lucky, they're sticky, right? And, and, and in the book, they, they reference uh, Chip and Dan Heath's book, Made to Stick. And they, they talk about the idea that a sticky idea consists of, uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be simple. Right. So the idea has to be simple. It has to be unexpected. And so there's there's a, a bit of mystery to it, like what's kind of going on. It needs to have a concrete uh, idea for people. Like, what are you trying to do? It needs to be credible. Right. The idea that it's it's backed up with some stats or like here's here's some benefit or something that it's it's doing. It's got to be it's got to appeal to your emotions. So it has to have an emotional element. And then it needs to be something that can be uh, reduced down to a story. So it's got to have a story element, right? So so Chip and Dan Heath say that's how you make a sticky idea. So the ketchup challenge, not so sticky. No one really even knows what that is. Cinnamon, there were some hilarious videos, so it kind of got sticky. But then what I love about what Tim's and Hyman talk about in the book is what does it look like to take a sticky idea, which is which is worth celebrating for sure, but what it what it what does it take to take a sticky idea that becomes a spreadable idea, an idea that you can take that you can spread to almost every uh, part of the, of the world, right? And so the ice bucket ice bucket challenge, it wasn't just like a regional thing. It wasn't just an American thing. Like it truly was a global phenomenon where people all around the world were dumping buckets of ice water on their head. And and we could probably make the assumption that there were a lot of times people were dousing themselves and they really didn't know why. <laughs> they, they, well, like, why are we doing this again? Everyone else is doing it. Like you go on your Facebook, your social media, and like everyone has a video of them dumping water on their head. It's like, I guess I need to go dump water on my head. That's the new trend, right? And so that that's where you've, you've really created a meme that has become super widespread. And so why bring all of this up? Because we believe that the church has a message, right? So the idea, uh, it, even in the, this, the simplest idea, the most sneezable idea is Jesus is Lord. So we desire to see that be a sticky idea, but we don't want it to simply just be a sticky idea. We want it to see, be a spreadable idea. And we can look back at the history of the church and we have seen how that has been a spreadable idea, 
big con- uh, big uh, implications for the church. When you guys think about this, as you read the book, when you think about the spreadable ideas that are are possible in the in the church in the West, what came to mind for you guys? Yeah, so Terry, that's a great question. One of the things I'm thinking about though is better defining kind of like, okay, what is the difference between sticky and spreadable? You know, and I think sticky. Uh, uh, Joel, you had a great idea before we got on. Like sticky would be what'd you say? It was like McDonald's. It's like a jingle. It's something that gets stuck yeah. in your head. You know, that's the where's the beef or the I'm loving it or something like that. It's yeah, it's yeah. super sticky and everyone like gets stuck in their head, but not super spreadable in the sense of they can someone can take it and do something of their own with it. Yeah. And so that's a sticky idea. And so the spreadable idea is something that, that I think in the book they talk about it moves sideways. Right. It's not just like this top down. Here it is. You know, McDonald's has this monolith logo that they're just going to put on everything. I'm loving it. It's all out there. You got the catchy little, you did it earlier, Joe. How does it go? That I'm loving it. No, no, the, there it is right there. That's what I'm looking for. So Joel as Justin Timberlake. Uh, but, you know, it is, it's kind of that, you know, it's, it's sticky. It gets in your head, but it's not spreadable. In other words, it doesn't go sideways. It's not one of those things that people can take and adapt and mess with and do all the different stuff with. And that's one of the beautiful things between what's sticky and what's spreadable. And so as we're answering that question of, hey, hey, what in the church is spreadable, it's kind of fun to think through the differences between the two. Well, and also with sticky ideas, it's not just simple and sticks in your mind. The reason that things stick in our mind is because we connect with it at an emotional level. There's story involved. There is something that's clear that, yeah, yes, I want to be associated with that or I want to be a part of that. It draws us in in something. And there is, <laughs> Jesus as Lord has m- much of that available to us, right? That is a, a a person and a story that we live into and that is a sticky idea. And so I think the church has used sticky in the past, but where it's fallen in this new power idea and in discipleship is how does it move sideways? How do we create actionables for the people that we're discipling to not just uh, absorb information about Jesus as Lord, but to then live Jesus as Lord in their lives. Uh, And so this this idea of new power um, is really going to help us in our discipleship of people to be disciples that make disciples and not just to uh, take on a, a sticky idea, but then to actually live it out like Jesus asked us to. Yeah. And so a sticky idea is just like, here's this thing, you take it and that's it. That's all you got to do with it. Right. But in the book, one of the things they say is this, it's actually a question. They say, when people are no longer satisfied with simply consuming ideas, but increasingly expect to play a role in developing, tweaking, and propagating those ideas to an unlimited uh, potential audience, what makes a winning idea in the 21st century? And so the idea is everybody wants to participate, you know, which I think is beautiful. I think that's awesome because what we're doing is we are giving the idea of this movement of Jesus through the church, you know, the, what the church is doing back to people. It's not just the professionals who are all about church, but it is everybody has a role to play. Everybody gets to play. And how, what does that mean? You know, what does that actually mean for the people in the pew? Yeah, it, it's funny when you were talking, I was trying to think of like just a modern day, like when, when where am I seeing this played out in life? And um, I think all of us are on Instagram. Uh, Instagram has, do you guys ever watch the, uh, oh, what is it? They're the little video pieces. What do they call those? 
The reels, yeah. And so um, I, I, I'm just new to that. I know they've been around for a while, but every now and then there'll be uh, – I follow a handful of weight loss and nutritionist guys, and they'll have some some videos on there, like workout movements and things like that. And then, then you, you kind of – it goes to the next video, and it's just some of them are just like so out there. They're so bizarre. And you're like, oh, okay, that that's strange. And then you go to the next one, and it's just another weird one. But what you find is the more you go through the reels, there are there are like trends. There are there are spreadable ideas that are being played out on that. And so everyone is taking a sticky idea and then they're putting their own little spin on it, right? So they're owning it, right? So the whole idea of 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 taking an idea and then being able to participate with it to make it your own, to put your own flair on it, to put your own remix, you know, on it. And 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 it's funny because uh, one night I I was flipping through and I'm not kidding I I ended up sinking like 45 minutes to an hour into a trend on reels that I could not like I couldn't get enough of because it was like the best <laughs> and it was the whole thing was it was like 10 second little videos about people's pets and the whole jingle was. <laughs> Who's got the cutest pet on the internet? I do. <laughs> and, and it was just a picture of someone's a little video of a dog. And I could not like, and Bethany was like, what are you doing over there? And I was like, cause I would like start crying and laughing. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I can't get enough of the cutest pet on the internet. And the jingle is like, it was just magical. And it's one of those ideas that you took an idea of, oh, here's a cute little thing you can share your pet with. But then it's like, no, this is like a, there were like hundreds of thousands of likes on these videos. It was, it was, some of them were just crazy, but it, it, did you say 45 dude, minutes not, of that? You sat down I and could did not 45. Stop. It was, I mean, and they were like, <laughs> I, and I'm, I, we have a little dog. She's like 20 pounds, but that's more, we don't have a giant house. And so I, I don't want a giant dog in, in, in a medium sized house. So, but I'm not like a little, the little teeny tiny dog. I'm, you know, a dog you can fit in a purse. I don't really care to own those. But when you put them on Instagram and you put a cute song behind it, I'm a sucker for it. Like they are, they, they're like little fuzzy fur balls, man. Uh, yeah. So 45 minutes to an hour, just like living my best life, just falling in love with little dogs and animals. And yeah, it was great. I am also new to reels um, and I'm not on TikTok. Uh, and so I was noticing these reels coming up and I was like, why are all of these white women doing the same stupid <laughs> dance over yes. and over again? What is happening? I don't understand what is going on that middle-aged white women are all doing a synchronized, very simple dance. And so I was asking my daughters and they're like, oh, mom, they're yeah. TikTok dances. And I, I so, you know, I just need to get it out here, I guess, on the podcast. White women, what are you doing? <laughs> That's the other idea, right? And so TikTok is that next generation's social media, right? Snapchat, TikTok, those are the big ones for those, which my daughter has neither, thank God. But th that whole idea of the the explosiveness of TikTok and how as just as a, as a company has become insanely profitable because it is, again, it's it's taking some of these new power ideas and giving people the freedom to do that, right? Facebook doesn't have that. 
right? That's where, you know, that that's the the brilliance of Facebook because they just buy these companies, right? So it's like you had Instagram. It's like, oh, there's some things you can do on Instagram that is more participatory than you can on Facebook. So what does Facebook do? Oh, we're going to buy Instagram and now we own that. And then, oh, TikTok, you can even go further than what Instagram does. Oh, yeah, so we're going to buy that too. And so it is this idea, we see the trend moving, more participation. Uh, and then even Facebook versus MySpace, right? MySpace was very static, and we're getting less and less static. But again, it's it's the inclusion of, uh, of being able to participate, taking something, owning it. Uh, and there's nothing funnier than when you see middle-aged people trying to do things that teenagers are like doing. And it's like, okay, you've got too much time on your hand. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I couldn't look away too. Oh, it's a I train mean, wreck. Yeah. It, like, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't like I was like, oh, cute. I was like, what is happening right now? So what's the difference? What, what makes take something that is sticky um, and then makes it spreadable? Yeah. So, yeah. So Hyman's and Tim's, they, so they take the idea so uh, all the things that I said for a sticky idea make the acronym success, right? So that was Chip and Dan Heath's ideas, like, oh, the, the, the success acronym, though there's an extra S for some reason. Uh, I guess they don't know how to spell. And so uh, Tim's and Hi- yeah, Baptist. right? They're not Baptists. <laughs> they, they failed miserably. They would have come up with an extra S if they were Baptists for sure. <laughs> and so what Tim's and Hyman does is they take, their, they take it a, a step further, right? And so they introduce their own acronym called ACE. And so basically taking an idea uh, that is sticky and the way to make it spreadable, to make it, to mimify it, right? Is it memify? Mimify. Yeah, one of those. To make it a meme, sure. right? To make it super, super spreadable, uh, for it to go viral, they use the the acronym ACE. And so that simply means an idea needs to be actionable, right? And so it's taking the, so it's, so taking McDonald's, theme, right? The, the, I'm loving it. Do, 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 do. Like, how do you make that actionable? Right? Well, one thing is you can have idiots online humming the, the theme, capturing it and then making fun of that person. Right? So it's taking an idea and then making it actionable. And so, so that's the first part. The other part is connected. So how do you get an idea and that, that, that is able to be connected amongst a large group of people, right? So taking something that people are interested, right? So we could right now, me and Joel was like, hey, we're going to start this idea. Everyone go like do your own McDonald's theme video and we're going to post it. And if people are like, that's stupid. That is just a waste of time. It's not going to spread, right? So it has to be something that is able to be connected with other people, that it needs to be connected to a bigger idea uh, and it's connected to people who want to, like, they want to see it, they want to see it spread. It's exciting, right? And then the third idea is uh, is extensible. And so basically, it needs to be something that is easily edited. It needs to be easily remixed. It needs to be something that can be customized and, and do their own thing. And so that's what made the Ice Bucket Challenge so unique is that everyone could put their own spin on it. Right. So you had like the base level people who would like, hey, here's a bucket. I was nominated by so and so. And then they pick the bucket up and they dump water on their head. Right. There were there were millions and millions of those kinds of videos. But then you had people that were like, oh, no, 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 we're going to we're going to take it up a notch. Right. So we're going to add salt to the water. Right. And then we're going to explain, hey, there's salt in that water. Would do that. And then like capturing the, the emotion right before the water dumps you or then like having your kids dump it on you. Uh, I even saw some that had created uh, Rune Goldberg 
experiments where they had all these crazy things. And at the very end, a bucket of ice water would fall on top of them. And so, so it's, again, it's taking something that you can customize. So making it extensible. Uh, so people, again, we've talked about this last time. The key to new power in participation is the ability to, to live in the maker culture that I can take something and make it mine. I can create ownership in it because I'm putting my own spin on it. I'm putting my own swag on it. I'm putting my own ideas into it. And so that's the biggest difference between sticky ideas and spreadable ideas. Another big component to that as well is that it was, like you said, connected and peer driven. This idea, it wasn't the president of the ALS association coming and telling everyone to do this. It was your friends. Your friends were just saying, hey, I challenge you, I nominate you. And so it was a movement uh, rather than top down um, where some authority was saying, hey, we think this is a good idea. You guys do it, too. It was everyone going. I mean, they were the ALS uh, Association was blindsided. They they didn't even know they were being nominated for this. And it was this community of people all saying, hey, we're going to do this together. And that kind of peer driven uh, movement connected where everyone's like, I'm going to feel I'm going to be left out. All of my friends are doing this. I'm going to be left out if I'm not a part of this. That had yeah, a lot of huge. power there as well. Yeah. So when we sit back and think about this, so, you know, this is all great. You know, I, I love a good social media account. I love seeing these kinds of things. Cutest pet on the internet. I'm all about the Wendy's Twitter handle is fire. If you're, if you're not following Wendy's on Twitter, like the best Twitter follow. But ultimately, we want to see how do these ideas impact the church? Right. And so we are all in on the mission of God. And so what does the idea of spreadable ideas, spreadable content, spreadable, whatever, fill in the blank. What, what, what's What are the potential impacts for the church as we think about how we do discipleship, evangelism, shepherding, how we care for people? Like, is there a is there a place to make those things actionable, connected, and extensible? What do you got? What do you What do you guys think about that? When I think about churches that I've been a part of or, or churches that we worked with, um, you know, the frustration is like, man, people aren't getting involved, um, and we're putting lots of actionables in front in front of people, and they're not mm. they're not doing it. They're not doing it in the way that we would want to do it. And and so what I'm seeing with this to be successful in actionables. Uh, people have to have ownership. They have to have buy-in. They have to have connection. So for something to be ACE, for it to be actionable, connected, extensible, extensible, oh, extensible, get it right, Brenna, is there is a connected ownership, emotional connection that they have to something. So we've got to think through how what's what's the breakdown there and how we are giving people ownership what's the breakdown there in how the actionables are coming to be are we coming up with the actionables are other people coming up with the actionables um what do you guys think where do you think the breakdown's been i think a big part of it is 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 pastors have been trying to make a lot of their ideas sticky and so they're they're trying to do great sermons um and they're trying to make them super sticky with, with three points and a good, uh, you know, PowerPoint. And, and that's fine. But then the, the, the rest of the church doesn't know yeah. what to do with that. They're like, okay, great. I have this idea that's stuck in my head. Um, what do I do with that? And then there's no actionable, connected, extensible um, results afterwards. So people just are there as consumers. 
instead of participants. And I think the idea of what, how we need to transition is moving church members from consumers to participants. That's how we're going to make things spreadable. And so yet the sticky ideas is fine, but then how do we move them from the, the church building into the streets it is going to yeah, make the it's difference. It's huge. And even, even thinking through the idea of, of sticky ideas, even the best sticky idea can tend to be flat, right? It, it, it's something that is, it's created, it's out there, it's put out there. It can resonate and hit home. But if it's just flat, if it's two dimensional, like there's nothing you can grab onto, right? And so I think the reason why we don't see more spreadable ideas in the church is because even the 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 things that we encourage action around, we do it in such a way that is. Uh, I, I want to be I want to be really delicate in how I say this because I don't want to offend pastors and, and churches, but a, a lot of times we we put so much baggage around what we want people to do that we don't give a lot of freedom for people to freestyle. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we want mm-hmm. you to make much of Jesus. And here's one narrow way that you go about doing that, right? And so if you're like, well, that really doesn't fit who I am, then you basically you're only opening that up to a very small percentage of people who kind of resonate with that idea, right? And so then you have people who it does resonate with, and it's a very small percentage, and they think it's the greatest thing ever. They're like, oh my gosh, you just given me, and they can go do it. And, and they can like see results and, and the, this is amazing. And then they get indignant because of why aren't other people doing this? And I was like, well, but dude, you just got thrown a softball when I was just throwing a, a 98 mile per hour slider. There's no way I'm hitting that. Like there, I, I can't own that. I can't make that my own. And so that's where I think even in from a pastoral sense and, and an equipping uh, standpoint, we have to challenge people and encourage people toward action, but we have to be very open-ended. We have to be able to say, hey, here's the idea. Go make it your own, right? Like, I go. how would that look like? And so the church, what we struggle with is, well, what about the right doctrine? What about if they mess it up? What about if they lead someone down a wrong path? Are they they get into heresy and all all of those concerns just make it super complicated and we shoot ourselves in the foot we make it 10 times harder than it has to be rather than just saying hey here's a thought how would you make this your own and i rarely see pastors preach from that perspective it also makes me think of uh, our interview with mm-hmm. joe saxton uh, a few weeks ago um and you know it was my favorite podcast so That's i'll just good. bring it up as much as i can um, but, you know, something that we've been talking about as a team that she said that was so impactful was the difference between giving responsibility yeah. and authority, right? And that we give people responsibility, mm-hmm. but we withhold the authority. And I think Lance Lance brought it up in the pod, too, that with a church that he was working with, it, the, the lead pastor was like, yep, this is all good ideas. Uh, but at the end was like, and I still have veto power. So we there's something there where we need to be open to give away authority so that people have the ability 
to make something actionable. They have the ability to put their own fingerprints on something. They have the ability to make those decisions. But yeah, there's some control that we got to give up there. Yeah, you just caused a lot of pastors to have a, a, a little tingle go down their spine. When, when we start talking about giving authority away, right? They're like, oh, just toss it around. It gets people real uptight real quick. And what I find both humorous and, and really uh, shocking is how much authority Jesus gave away. Mm-hmm. Like you look at the life of Christ, he, 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 he gives authority away freely. He tells the disciples, go in, in, in my name, you can go do these things. And he even, what does he say at the end of his ministry? You will do far more than what I've done. Right. Like, I mean, even that sounds almost like heresy, right? It's just, at least from my Baptist perspective, it's like, whoa, whoa, you you saying that you're going to do more than what Jesus did? It's like, well, he kind of, kind of hinted at the idea. Right. And so we have the authority uh, to go and do these things, but for some reason, and and I'm guilty of this, that we hold on to that, and 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 it, it's all fear driven. It's all fear based scarcity mindset, and that I think we have to wrestle with that if we're really going to see the church spread. We're going to see these real spreadable ideas. The idea that Jesus is Lord is spread into the world. We're going to have to wrestle with that. We're going to have to come to grips with the idea that we have to we have to loosen our grip on control. We have to loosen our grip on authority. And we have to give people the freedom to go do things. And you know what? And I may be wrong for this, but we're going to have to let people make a lot of mistakes. And that's okay. That's where God's grace. We have to trust God's grace enough to say, eh, we, we screwed that one up, but God's grace is enough. So. For a long time, it seems like discipleship has always been, you know, sitting in a classroom and consuming ideas, getting right theology. Yeah. And so we're seeing a movement of churches now saying, well, that's not true discipleship. It does have to be actionable, which is great. It's a great first step. But then what they're doing is they're creating all the steps yeah. of, well, this is what it looks like. So the, the leaders are saying, well, here's all the actions we want you to do. And you have to kind of fit within this box or this program in order for it to be true discipleship instead of really, like you said, letting some of those things go and saying, hey, we want you to do stuff. What is God actually calling you to do? What action steps is God asking you to do? And how do we empower you in that and and letting go of those controls? So actually helping people discover their own calling and what does that look like and how do they live out the mission of God? What does it look like to be a disciple in their own community um, and living that out and then us as leaders helping empower that and helping them take steps rather than than forcing them to follow a predetermined program so i think a lot of it is going to have to us letting go of yep. that control and that power yeah yeah you know we we get the privilege at forge america that we work with disciple makers right and so we we get people who are like hey i want to make disciples and so we get to have these kind of conversations with disciple makers and i find myself constantly repeating myself with with these disciple makers, reminding them, encouraging them that one of the greatest questions you can have your people ask, and it's a prayer, it's, it's, it's asking the Holy Spirit, what's next? Like truly going to God for the next step and not relying on a methodology that's been, hey, here are the 12 steps to evangelism. 
and you know, and you go do these steps and you follow them. And if you do it, we're going to see a movement of, of God happen. And we all know that movements just don't come out of that. I mean, there, there, there aren't many movements that are based on an idea of a 12-step thought, right? It's like, oh, if you do these things, everything's going to work out for you. Um, but what we do see is movements happen when people are, are connected to the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, what's next? What's my next step? And then that next step could be a million different things. And that's where true movements happen because you have a million people doing a million different things all around the same idea. That's powerful. That is that is a true spreadable movement where there is a heartbeat to what we do, but we're all getting after it from, from a different perspective. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to bring this up just because I know this could be a political firestorm, but uh, so... Um, let, let me give a little bit of an emphasis uh, on the front end just to say, hey, we're not connected to any of this. Give give us a lot of uh, the umbrella of grace. We'll put it that way. Just a lot of it. But the Black Lives Matter movement, there is a lot of heat around that idea where, well, do you know the founders and, and their whole thing and blah, blah, blah. Was, well, what about this and what about that? Well, here's the idea that I, I and, and this is where I really like the Black Lives Matter movement. It is an idea that is out it's outside the hands of the founders, right? The people who like, I don't know, I guess you just, you can take three words and, you know, I guess you put a trademark or something on it. And it's like, Hey, we, you know, where this is, we own this idea, but here's the beautiful thing. Ideas can't be owned, right? Like they're free. They're, they're spreadable. And so I don't have to agree with the, the, the politics of the people who maybe first said black lives matter. But what's beautiful about the movement, there there are thousands and thousands, possibly millions of ways that an idea that Black Lives Matter are being spread into the world, that they are being utilized to create awareness and to see change happen. And it doesn't have to just simply be one solo way, right? It, it would be that way. And that's, that's actually, if you throw out Black Lives Matters and see how people respond, if they respond real rigid, they're thinking old power because old power is like, oh, Black Lives Matter all comes from one person, right? There's one organization that is in control of all things that are Black Lives Matter. And what people don't realize is like, that is not the case. You can say Black Lives Matter and it be completely opposite of what the or the original organizers came up with, right? And so it is simply a new power idea that someone said, hey, Black Lives Matter, and people are owning it and creating their own way of expressing that. And it's just become a highly spreadable idea. What we saw with uh, women's rights, right? Uh, e equality in the workplace and all of those sorts of things, right? It's not like one person was in charge of dictating the agenda for everyone involved. It's like, no, someone came up with an idea and that idea was actionable. It was easily connected. And it was extensible. People could own it and make their own things, right? And so people could respond to the idea and do a lot of variety of different things. And that's what's powerful. And so the church, I think the challenge for us is if Jesus is Lord, if that's our idea, how do we give people the freedom to make it actionable to the, to the degree that they want to make it and do it? How do we get that peer-to-peer -peer connection where we're encouraging like, hey, man, this was awesome. Have you checked this one out, right? 
And then how is it extensible? How do you how do you remix it? How do you kind of create your own vibe on it? And I think that's where that's what's missing. I think that that idea is just simply missing. And that's where we have to address. We have to give a lot of our innovation and energy towards those ideas. So we unpacked like a barrier to actionable is maybe our own control, sure. inflated sense of authority. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Inflated sense of authority sure. or where, you know, where we need to give that away or our role or whatnot um, for being connected. Yeah. If we're going to the next one, you know, connected is that people wouldn't just feel connected to one, but they'd be connected to everyone in that organization. That would be a, a decentralized movement. You know, that would be an all channel uh, network. What, what do you guys see as barriers and how we're operating to connectedness? Yeah, I think hands down, and I could be wrong, but I think the number one, everything else can fall under this idea is that it's not compelling. Like I think peer-to-peer connection, it's like whatever you're offering has to be compelling. It has to be like, that's dope. Like, yeah, that's, it's got to be funny. It's like, oh, that's hilarious. Oh man, that's really meaningful. It has to be impactful. It has to compel people. I don't know if you guys uh, had, had, had this happen in in your areas, but uh, there was a trend called devious licks. Are you guys familiar with this? You haven't heard devious licks? Right. Um, so it was a it, it, it was a trend. And if you if you have if you're listening and you have kids, go ask your kids about it. And so Devious Licks was this this social media trend where kids were to film themselves defacing property at school. And so you may have heard of those incidences like, hey, you know, we don't have soap at school anymore is because kids ripped the soap dispensers off the wall, videotaped it tagged devious licks and it's being spread like crazy. So now everyone, and like some of the things that happened at my daughter's school, heartbreaking, but hilarious. Like, Oh, what kid thought of that idea? Like they're ripping toilets off the, out of the ground. I mean, it's like hardcore. Some of the things they are doing, but again, for a teenager, and I'm thinking like a teenager right now, ripping a toilet off the ground at school sounds hilarious. Now as a 43 year old adult, who knows that, oh man, my tax money pays for that crap. You know, I know it's not good, but again, that peer to peer, it needs to be compelling. And so, and that's why the devious licks thing was, it went so widespread so fast is because kids were getting, they were getting a kick out of it. Oh, look what I did. And there's almost a one upsmanship that kind of happens, right? It's like, well, look, this is what I did. Oh, look at this, what I did. And so I think there's those are the elements we have to think through is like, how do we how do we see that connectedness, that that peer-to-peer movement? It, 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 I think it all deals with, is it compelling? Is it move people? We as leaders are, are constantly trying to, if we're trying to move our people into action, a lot of times we, we become the barrier because we're the only one sharing mm. our own story. And so what ends up happening is we become the bottleneck. And so we're sharing stories of, hey, this is what we should do, or or we're giving about big ideas. And they're going, yeah, but of course you can do that. You're the, you're the paid person. You're the pastor, whatever like that. Like, let's show this to me in someone's real life. And so we need to use our platform to be able to share other people's stories. And I tell pastors this all the time, like get ordinary people up on your stage or sharing their story or on your website have them share their story and that's going to inspire someone else to go, Oh, this is 
possible. They're going to get inspired by that story of an ordinary family, ordinary individual doing something incredible. And then they're going to go, wow, that is compelling. That is inspiring. If that, if they can do that, couldn't I participate in something like that as well? And so if we have those platforms, being able to share that peer to peer story and know that oftentimes the most compelling story isn't going to come yeah. from the top. It's going to come from, from the, the peers, the ordinary folks that are doing extraordinary yeah. things. Bernie, you were talking about the barriers and I do think it has to be compelling. I think that is a, a barrier. One of the other things I was thinking about was what you were just talking about, Joel, was the idea of participation. And so when I read this chapter in New Power, you know, I, I wrote actually next to ACE, a, the Actionable, Connected, Extensible, I wrote down a discipleship because that's what it made me think of. Like, you know, the idea that A, actionable, you, you're actually going to do something. You know, you're going to, you're actually going to do something. C, you're connected. You're doing this within community. You know, you're doing this with other people. And then extensible in the, in the New Power book, they say, you know, people don't want to simply be a participant. They want to be a producer. And to me, that's huge because we always talk about we want a discipleship, a discipleship making movement where it's disciples making disciples, right? Well, then it made me think of this book, and it's by Aaron Nyquist. It came out a couple years ago. It's called The Eternal Current. And one of the things that he talks about in the whole book is about participation. In fact, what he does is he references Matthew 11 in the message version. It says this. Uh, he says, you know, Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Beautiful verse. I love it, and I love that translation. And then Aaron says this. He says, notice all the action words in Jesus' invitation. Come, get away, walk, work, watch, learn, keep company, live. The invitation is to participation. And his big thing is that a lot of people are walking away from the faith and maybe they're not even being discipled because they've not truly participated in their faith. They're not actually put it into action. You know, it's been such a, I think you said this, Joe, it's, it's been, it's like, it's almost such an intellectual enterprise. It's such a heady thing because the church has been taken over by shepherd teachers, which I love our shepherd teachers, but it's become such a, Hey, let me preach this to you. Let me teach this to you. It's such a head thing that we've never actually fully put it into action and participated in our faith. And that's why I love that verse, because it is all those action words, all those participatory words that Jesus is asking us to do. And so when I think about discipleship and I think about this concept of actionable, connected and extensible, there's got to be something there where we reclaim that idea. We reclaim the idea of how do we actually put our faith into practice? And it's not just, hey, learn these. I think you said it, Terry, learn these 12 steps, learn, go through these 12 things, listen to this one thing. But how do I, you know, learn and then I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, what does this actually look like? And then how am I giving, how am I passing this along to someone else? How am I participating in this and living it out and connecting with a group of other people? Um, but then also giving it a little remix because, you know, just as I was discipled, I want to be able to disciple other people. I want to pass this on, but it's going to be through the lens of who I am, you know, not the lens of whoever discipled me, but what would Jesus be doing if Jesus were living my life? It's different, you know, and I'm going to try to pass that on to someone else. And so that's one of the things I love about this verse, or not this verse, that wasn't a verse, this passage uh, in the, 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 the New Power Book, this little section here was, man, making it a participatory thing, making it to where it's like you, you have a place. And that's, I think, 
you know, that's how movements keep going. So, you know, we've, we've unpacked actionable, connected, but extensible, that idea that something can be remixed, that something people can put their own spin on it. They could say, I see it this way and I want to do it this way, or this is what the spirit is calling me to do. And I'm going to own that and get after that. And it's going to, it's going to look a lot different than somebody else would do. How, how do we start moving things to be extensible in the church and, and what do we need to change? Well, I think a big part of it, obviously we've kind of touched on it is this idea of, of leaders kind of letting go of some of the control and saying, Hey, it's going to look different for each participant and, and producer of, of this. But there's also, as much as people do want to participate and make things their own, there's also a bit of fear in that as well. Like some people just, they don't know how to do that. There, there's, um, when I was working with youth, um, we would always try to say, we're not trying to teach students what to think. We're going to try to teach them how to think. And so that's a big difference of, you know, what to think is the sticky idea. We're going to teach you what to think. We're going to download a bunch of ideas to you. We're going to teach you how to think is the spreadable idea. So that way, whenever you encounter new ideas, you're going to be able to think through those those ideas of, of okay, how do I integrate these new ideas into my life? Yeah, sure. But some people just want to be told what to think. I mean, I, there'll be so many times I'd be working with, with students and um, we'd be going through some sort of study. I, I remember one time we were talking about um, James and we were talking about, you know, when James said, you know, uh, faith without works is dead. But then we were talking about, but isn't, you know, is, is it not supposed to be like, we only get salvation through faith and not by works. And so we're, we're debating this idea going over and over. Finally, one student just got so frustrated and was just like, Joel, just tell us the answer. And I was like, there isn't an answer I have. I just have a lot of questions. And, and so some people just like, just tell us what to do. And so a lot of times we as leaders have to help and, and shepherd and guide people through that process of like, Hey, how do you make this your own? How are you going to take this really cool idea of Jesus as Lord and living out the mission of God in your own community? But we can't tell you how to do that. We're going to help you think through what you're, what to do and how to do those sorts of things. And so some of it is getting yeah, through some people's really fear drill. of that. Um, you know, even, even some of that idea, I love what you said about, we have to, we have to give up the control, right? We have to, we have to give up the power, we have to give up the control. And one of the things that I, I hear people yeah i don't think you hear a lot of people talking about it but they're, you're hearing it some but it's just a lot of talk is how do we get younger uh and i'm 43 and so anytime an organization is like we got to get younger it's like good lord we just want to pull people out of like adolescence is put people in the leadership but the, i think there is something uh, to this extensible idea that literally old power versus new power uh i think younger generations are are a little more flexible when it comes to the desire to remix and do those things, right? And, that, and that's what makes the Diet Coke crowd of middle-aged women who just like get on TikTok and get on these things. And they're they're basically following the trends that some like 14-year-old kid came up with. And it's comical. It's, it's, it's funny. But that's what makes it a spreadable idea as well, is that... Someone can have an idea and and like oh yeah I can own this and, and and you do that and so I think that's where 
letting young people help lead the way and how we go about thinking differently, right? My, my daughter will come up and we'll have an idea and say something. I was like, man, I never thought of it that way. I never really, right? And so it's just all about new perspectives. We can also make the same conversation around uh, minorities, right? Just having a different cultural perspective can just be a huge insight to how we make things extensible, how we put a different spin on it, how we own it, right? And it's not just about like either whitewashing or tokenism either, right? And so the whole like Barbie line, you know, the first Barbie came out, I was like, well, we need we need an African-American Barbie. So basically, you know, it was like, oh, we'll just do a Barbie. And it's like, well, what, why does the black Barbie have the same hair that Barbie has it. That, that doesn't. You haven't. You, all you've done is just. You know. You painted the doll black and and not like really think through. No. How do you how do you create a robust holistic representation of someone from a different culture? Right. So really leaning in and letting all the different so different ages and different cultures speak in and inspire us to say, hey, how do we can how can we change something? How can we own something? How can we make it different? How do we make it ours? You know how that that Barbie came to be, I'm assuming, is that the same people that created white Barbie were like, oh, we need a black Barbie. We will create it. Uh, and there probably wasn't sure. black voices instead of saying, hey, you know, so it'd be old power, sure. like, oh, we need to do that. So we're going to be the ones to go do that. Instead of saying, hey, black Americans or, you know, yeah. what you create it from your lens, from your perspective, and then let those people put their hands on it and and create something that is is true for them. Uh, that would be the difference of the the old power versus new power. And then you get a a really funky looking Barbie with old power. Yeah. So it's the difference between appropriating something and letting someone actually lead lead out in that movement to have the voice and the influence in doing that. And I think that's where that's where we need to be inspired. Where it's not like, oh yeah, I can do this and and just like take my narrow understanding which everyone has a narrow understanding right we only know what we know and so we take that and say oh yeah i'll just appropriate that and kind of you know i'll put us put my spin on it and it's and it's maligned right but rather than say no no why don't you speak into this and why don't you kind of like do it and show us i was like oh yeah now i can do my thing and and you know we're all creating and i love the idea of making it ours right yeah. it's a, it's the shared piece and that's the beautiful thing about the ideas that that hymens and tim Tim's are, are really hitting is it's the sharedness of it right it's it's how do things how are ideas shared how the, the spreadableness of it is shared thoughts right and, and i think that's what the church needs more of we need we need to be uh, mindful in some of those those situations this has been a fantastic conversation so here's here's what i'd like to do because we, we this has been a great long conversation Next time we sit around the round table, I'd like to really get to the the boots on the ground level uh, of this conversation we're having. So next time we're gonna present some ideas around what does it actually look like for these ideas in the church world to be actionable, to be connected, and to be extensible. And so uh, we're excited about that conversation. Uh, so that's where we're heading next. And so uh, continue listening, uh, hang in there with us. Uh, we've got several other roundtables planned for the rest of the season that we're going to continue this idea of new power and the implications it has for the church. So thank you for listening and we will catch you next time. 
Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America longs to see the reign of God revealed in the everyday spaces of life. To do this, we partner with local movements to mobilize the people of God to participate in the everyday mission of God. If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com. Who's got the cutest pet on the internet? I have this one. So cute.